Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number is 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. This is the last live Mark Levin show until next Monday. Um, tomorrow we have a wonderful guest host. Then we have a best of and another wonderful guest host, and I'll be back on Monday. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't care what the media say about me or the rest of them. I want you to know this is the greatest greatest hijacked election in American history. State courts were involved. Secretaries of state were involved. Governors were involved. All Democrats. I'm not saying they conspired together, but the lawyers who worked on these cases, the Democrat lawyers, Elias, Bauer, names that some of you may be familiar with, they were the ones that organized this. They were the ones that networked this. It involved Democrat lawyers, it involved Democrat surrogate groups, so-called voting rights groups, working hand-in-glove with these Democrat officials. We have some very corrupt state Supreme Courts with rogue justices, as in Pennsylvania, the five Democrats are all radicals. They're all elected. And then you have some Republican officials who are so weak. We have Republican state legislatures, for the most part, that have failed to do their jobs. Then, of course, the United States Supreme Court sits there, despite the fact there's a pending case, and doesn't act on it, because they're cowards. They're cowards. The majority of them are, maybe all of them, are cowards. They're sitting back and watching to see how this plays out. In the meantime, the media juggernaut, the propaganda, the demagoguery goes on and on and on. Some of these clown never Trump are Republicans, and some Republicans... They buckle to this all the time, and the Democrats know it. The Democrats know it. 
these election law changes weren't intended because the people that made them believe in good government. Or they just wanted to increase the number of people who would exercise their franchise. When you eliminate all these safeguards to elections, your purpose is diabolical. It's diabolical. And you can see it, California and other states. And so this battle that goes on in the courtrooms and outside the courtrooms is about far more than this election, as I've said over and over and over and over and over again. It's about the integrity of the franchise. And the fact is, 80% of you believe that this election was a crock. Was a crock. About 3% of you believe that Joe Biden was elected properly as president of the United States. And the media could care less and Joe Biden could care less. Why? Because they did this. That's why. They did this. The Democrats and their lawyers and their courts and their governors and their legislatures and their secretaries of state softened up the election process, extending the vote, extending the count, massive mail-in voting, no signatures, no signature comparisons, no postal marks in many of these states. Some states hurried to pass massive mail-in voting. We actually mail ballots to your voting roster, and the voting roster is corrupt. It's filled with dead people. They haven't been cleaned for years and years and years, despite federal law requiring it. They choose not to. So we don't know who got ballots. We don't know who sent in ballots. So many of the security measures are gone. And then you get to hear the media, and you get to hear Republicans, and you get to hear talk show hosts go on and on. Well, you know, there can be a lot of fraud out there, but there has to be systemic, a pattern of fraud, and you've got to show a lot that would upset hundreds of thousands of votes. And so when you go in there and you talk about, what about the Equal Protection Clause and the violations there? You have an idiot judge in central Pennsylvania who says, what do you expect me to do, throw out hundreds of thousands of votes? So you can't win. When you show there's a constitutional violation under the Equal Protection Clause, the judge says he's not willing to pull the trigger. And yet, and yet when you show massive fraud, it's not massive enough. The courts have failed us. In some cases, the courts have participated in this scam. This is a scam election. Scam. I don't care what the super spreaders at the New York Times, like Shira Franken, have to say. Big time super spreader, I understand, of lies and propaganda. You go on her Twitter site and she says, please, please retweet, retweet my article. I work so hard on the math and I'm not very good at math. There's a reporter. And so we get to hear from non-litigant litigants in the media who tell us how the system works, who know nothing about how the system works. A ton of fraud. First, there's no evidence of fraud. Think about this. The lying bastards in the media that push Russia collusion and cover it up for the, for the Biden crime family and on and on and on, dismiss them. But think about this. There's always corruption in these elections. So when they take down the safeguards in major states and metropolitan areas, in Democrat strongholds, the idea that there's not fraud, or not enough fraud, or we can't catch them at fraud is ridiculous. When you make clear that signatures are not required, that postal marks are not required, 
How do you even find the fraud? That's like a court saying no DNA, no fingerprints, no firsthand witnesses. Now prove the guy's guilty. What? And then the media, yeah, where's the evidence? Where's the evidence? The evidence is in the corruption of these institutions and what they did to lay the groundwork for Biden. Everybody knows the Pennsylvania Supreme Court is corrupt. Those five liberal Democrats are corrupt. That they are result-oriented in what they do as, as much as the Florida Supreme Court was in 2000. Everybody knows that John Roberts, the Chief Justice of the United States, ducked, chose not to, to exercise his constitutional responsibility. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows what went on here. Everybody. Particularly the people who did it. And now they pretend, well, well, this is going on too long, this vote. This is going on too long. We have states now that are certifying. In Michigan, a board there certified, even though the Michigan legislature wanted to conduct an audit and an investigation, a hearing. They blew off the Michigan legislature, even though under the Constitution, the Michigan legislature is in charge of the election system in Michigan. Blew them off. Same thing just happened in Pennsylvania, where the Pennsylvania legislature, Republican, wanted to hold an investigative hearing to find out what's going on. Doesn't matter. The board certified. Blew them off. You don't hear this on TV. Look at the stock market. went up. It went up for two reasons. Number one, look at this. We have a third vaccine. And number two, they see the transition is moving smoothly. How do they know that? Where did they get that from? Nowhere. They made it up. This whole damn thing has been choreographed. The Democrat Party is laughing. Their lawyers think this is great. From pre-election litigation, the election, post-election, office of the president-elect, the pressure on the courts, the political courts, the press, and the typical GOP response. Yeah, it's enough. I, 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 there's no way out of this. I mean, I, I don't see. Uh, I, I, we can't get the vote. Okay. And next time? What about next time? Meanwhile, the Democrats, the bar is very low. Russia collusion. A phone call to the president of Ukraine. The emoluments clause, for God's sakes. We need a special prosecutor. We need, a, we need to find out what Trump was doing. We need to get to the bottom of this. $40 million, there is no bottom. It never happened. Well, if Russia's not going to work, how about Ukraine? Yeah, so the country's dragged into the crap hole. But a couple of weeks on this is too much. It's undermining democracy. The Supreme Court of Pennsylvania didn't undermine democracy. Federal courts in Michigan, they didn't undermine democracy. Nevada, what the governor did there, that didn't undermine democracy. No, 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 come on. Pushing observers out of a Democrat stronghold so they can't observe. That doesn't undermine democracy. We're spreading democracy. Count every vote. 
And if people vote two or three times, that just means they're passionate. Count those two. Catch me if you can. Catch me if you can. That's the game we're playing now. They changed the rules. The courts want nothing to do with any of this. Like that clown in Pennsylvania. They want nothing to do with it. Catch me if you can and don't bother me. I'm a judge. Don't drag my ass into this. And there you have it. And then you have the typical Republican maniacs. Come on, let's get over this. Come on, come on. This is how you lose a country. This is how you lose a country. So we get through the next three weeks, ladies and gentlemen. The Supreme Court either doesn't act or acts improperly. And the Third Circuit doesn't act or acts improperly. Or what? what they just didn't have enough, enough evidence. And their lawyers really sucked. And you should see the crap that they're finding. Is that really the, what's going on? No. You think every single case filed by every one of these lawyers should be dismissed? How does that happen? Every one of them? Yes, they haven't met a threshold. They've all met a threshold. The threshold's very low for a motion to dismiss to be granted. I've explained that now on Fox. I've explained it on Levin TV, and I've explained it behind this microphone. You expect us to throw out hundreds of thousands of votes? That's one argument they make. And then number two, you've got to have more than this for us to throw out hundreds of thousands. Well, which is it? It's both. The judiciary has let us down. The judiciary has let us down. Republican state legislatures have let us down. The Democrats are parting with or without masks. They think this is fantastic. They were never going to let a 2016 happen again. And so they went into Pennsylvania. They went into Michigan. They went into Wisconsin. They went into Georgia. They went into these key states. And they sued like hell. And they get a dissent decree here and there. They get a court ruling here and there. And they get pretty much what they want. Nancy Pelosi's election law. And they're not done. They're going to keep it up. You want to know why? Because they see the resistance to this is pretty weak. You got a few hundred volunteer lawyers who've taken off time from their own practice and have left their own homes to fight this. You don't see any top Republican lawyers involved in this, a handful. A handful. They'd rather go on TV and talk than fight. That's what's going on. And I don't need any law professors or former federal prosecutors or former Bush officials or whatever you have to lecture you or me about what's taking place here. We know what's taking place here. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
As we enter the Christmas season, most of us stop to consider our many blessings. Well, Hillsdale College wishes to thank you for standing with them as they celebrate over 175 years of blessings. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive in Primus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. Now, you know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. This independence allows the college to focus on promoting its core purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom without any government interference. At no time in our nation's history has there been a greater need for the kind of classical liberal arts education that Hillsdale offers on its campus and nationwide. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the country. To learn more about Hillsdale College, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Let me explain something to my fellow Americans. The Washington Compost, New York Slimes, and all the other reprobates, miscreants, and malcontents. You don't understand how this process works. States can file their what's called certificate of ascertainment. It goes to the archivist of the United States. He or she husbands these certificates, holds on to them. And then when Congress meets on January 6th, they're provided to a joint session of Congress. Now, the joint session of Congress is made up of the new Congress. They're sworn in on January 3rd. You see how close the House of Representatives is. Uh, And, uh, well, you have the Georgia vote on January 5th. So we'll even see. We'll even see if those, uh, those members are seated by then. That, that actually raises a very interesting question I'm, I'm now just noodling over. But in any event, you are not President of the United States until Congress says you're President of the United States. Now for the left, this will be Mark Levin's putting out a last-ditch effort. I'm not making any effort. I'm telling you how this works. We have never really had states certify to electors when the state legislature is seeking to conduct an investigation because the state legislature is all-powerful under this process. I don't remember that ever happening. If it did, it's rare. Or if there's litigation ongoing, it's rare. You know, you hear people say, professors, former federal prosecutors and others, the deadline is December 12th or December 14th or December 16th. I even heard a former federal judge that that's not the deadline. The deadline to determine who the president of the United States is is when Congress decides and counts the electors that it's, that, and it determines if the electors are legitimate or not. That's the deadline. I'll be right back.
As we enter the Christmas season, most of us stop to consider our many blessings. Well, Hillsdale College wishes to thank you for standing with them as they celebrate over 175 years of blessings. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive in Primus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. Now, you know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. This independence allows the college to focus on promoting its core purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, without any government interference. At no time in our nation's history has there been a greater need for the kind of classical liberal arts education that Hillsdale offers on its campus and nationwide. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the country. To learn more about Hillsdale College, visit Levin for Hillsdale. Hillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levin for Hillsdale.com. This is Radio Free America on the Mark Levin Show. Call now, 877-381-3811. You know, I watch these or read these pieces on the the House, how the Republicans did so well. Well, one of the reasons is Kevin McCarthy, who was brilliant brilliant uh, st- tactician. But didn't we have like 22 members of the House on this, or candidates running, Mr. Producer, on this program? Was there another national program that brought on House members one after another? No. So I would just point out to maybe Byron and some of the others, if you listen to the show, maybe you do, I don't know. We decided, because I had talked to Ted Cruz, and Cruz is a very good tactician. He said, we need to focus more on the House. And we spoke about it. And I said, yeah. So I brought on House member after House member after House member, and I would say half to two-thirds of them won. And the ones that lost, it's too bad. They were outstanding, outstanding. And these are conservatives, solid conservatives. So, of course, that will never get mentioned. Not even in the conservative media. And I want to thank you Levinites out there. We were number one on cable on Sunday. As we were the Sunday before. As we were the Sunday before. Again, I have to mention it. Not because of me, because of you. If you weren't watching, I wouldn't be number one, would I? But it's because you want to hear not all the static, not all the repetition and the garbage You really want to think about and see what's going on. That's why. Now, before we get to our sponsor, Mr. Producer, I want you to play cut one. I want to prove a point. Cut one is Joe Biden at a press conference today acting like he's already president of the United States. Nobody says but me. Uh, excuse me, we have one president at a time. Now, you wouldn't talk before, and now you won't shut the hell up. Cut one, go. To this team... I thank them for accepting this call to service. Are you kidding? They've been scratching at the dog like cats at the door. They're, they're, they're slobbering all over this. Go ahead. Their families, I thank you all for your sacrifice. You know, we could, do, uh, we could not do this without you, in my view. Together, these public servants will restore America globally, its global leadership, and its moral leadership, and will ensure that our service members, diplomats, and intelligence professionals can do their job free of politics. 
will not only repair, they'll also reimagine American foreign policy. All right, right there. Reimagine. You hear this all the time, don't you? Reimagine. Reimagine American foreign policy. Reimagine policing. Reimagine. Why do they keep using that word? You know, there was a professor, she's gone now, by the name of Jean Anyon, A-N-Y-O-N. And she wrote several books on Marxism and neo-Marxism in education. She was a big believer, as are many, that used the classroom to spread the ideology of Marx, the American style of Marx. That's what she did, and that's what many of these tenured professors do. And in her writings, because I'm studying them, she wrote a book called Marx and Education, Jean Anyon. And I just picked it up off my desk. I already read it, already went through it, but I remember her using the word re-imaging and reimagining over and over and over again in her book. And so I just grabbed it. Here's page 99. Reimagining economic change in institutions as potentially oppositional does not by itself bring social change. And she goes on with her blather. Reimagining, reimaging. These words are now being pushed into Joe Biden's speeches. They were put into Kamala Harris's speeches. Kamala Harris was then using them on the stump. Because reimagining in particular, reimagine, reimagining, is a soft word. Doesn't send up any signals. You say, yeah, maybe we can. Let's reimagine. Let's use our imaginations. So the word the neo-Marxists and the Marxists have been using for decades. And you're now hearing it from members of the Democrat Party. Neo-Marxists and Marxists who are using this in our colleges and universities, now you're hearing Democrats use it. So he wants to reimagine American foreign policy and national security for the next generation. God forbid. And the laugh line here is, and of course nobody in the media pulls this, points it out in the press. Folks, this guy was vice president for eight years. He was a senator for almost 40 years. And now he's talking about reimagining American foreign policy and national security. Reimagining. What is this, a clown show? What, what is this? Reimagining? Guy's got 50 years in government. You don't turn to him to reimagine anything. You know who was reimagining, not in the neo-Marxist and Marxist sense, was Trump. He reimagined, quote-unquote, foreign policy, national security, economic policy, immigration policy. He did a lot of reimagining. And they're saying, now, let's get back involved globally. Trump never said, let's not be involved globally. That would be absurd. He said, put America first when you're involved globally. Put America first. Not the institutions of the globalists. Not the UN. Not this group or that group. Because they get around what we call representative government and our, and our constitutional institutions. That's why Kerry and Biden and the rest of them are so anxious to sign on to agreements. Not even make treaties. Sign on to agreements to undermine the treaty clause. Because now they can make deals and set policies that are extra-constitutional, that avoid the voter altogether and undermine American sovereignty altogether. It's time to reimagine, you see. 
Marxists and fascists have a funny way of reimagining, don't they? So I want to point out the words. Language means everything. I want to point out the nomenclature they're using. This is a word the neo-Marxists and the Marxists have been using in our classrooms and in their writings. Reimagine. Reimagine. They think they're doing that Beatles song, you know? Just reimagine. It's this utopian, paradisiacal notion. Reimagine a country in which everybody was equal. Everybody earned the same income. Everybody was smiling and working together in peace and love. Reimagine. And yet this is the party of totalitarianism. This is the party of the Confederacy and slavery. This is the party of segregation. But Mark, don't forget, it's also the part... I'm not forgetting anything. I'm underscoring some very serious problems with the Democrat Party. You know, it's funny. When Democrats today attack our history, in many respects, they're attacking their own party's history. But they don't want to admit it. They don't want to admit it. The Democrats announced, after the 2000 election, that George W. Bush was an illegitimate president, and that's the way they viewed him for two terms. And I think it was absolute cowardice on George W. Bush's part not to enter this election and support Donald Trump. I understand he has hard feelings, but so what? The country's at stake. And so they also tried to create an illegitimate re-imaging of the Donald Trump victory. So for the Democrats, the last two Republican presidents were illegitimate. But their presidents, nah, never illegitimate. They're fantastic. Well, I'm here to announce right now, for the New York Slimes, the Washington Compost, and all the other reprobates, miscreants, and malcontents, as far as I'm concerned, Joe Biden is an illegitimate president-elect in the office of the president-elect. I'm mocking them. Illegitimate. The greatest scam in electoral history. And the left and their professors and their columnists and the clowns in their newsrooms, they don't want this addressed and fixed, which is why they, they are putting public pressure on all public institutions and public officials, appointed or elected, to throw in the towel, which is why they don't want the United States Congress to have the final word, or the state legislatures to have the final word. Because now, if you actually uphold the Constitution, it's you who are seeking a coup. It's you. And notice how few reporters for the Washington Compost, the New York Slimes, the Constipated News Network, MSLSD, and all the other frauds. Notice how few reporters they have in the field, in the cities, to find out what took place at 4 a.m. and 5 a.m. and 3 a.m. What took place? They don't want to know. They ain't looking. It doesn't matter. And then when the President of the United States meets with Members of the Michigan legislature, you know what the reporters say? He's pressuring them, he's pressuring them to do what? To pick the electors, he's pressuring them. 
So they come out and say, he didn't pressure us to do anything. White House says, no, he didn't. He didn't pressure anybody to do anything. But they kept reporting it. It didn't matter. Because they're liars. They're liars. They're sleaze. That's what they are. That's why you hate them. I had to write an entire book on this. almost got an ulcer called On Freedom of the Press. Most of you have it. Most of you read it. Well, that's what's going on. That's exactly what's going on. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. As we enter the Christmas season, most of us stop to consider our many blessings. Well, Hillsdale College wishes to thank you for standing with them as they celebrate over 175 years of blessings. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive in Primus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. Now, you know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. This independence allows the college to focus on promoting Promoting its core purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, without any government interference. At no time in our nation's history has there been a greater need for the kind of classical liberal arts education that Hillsdale offers on its campus and nationwide. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the country. To learn more about Hillsdale College, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. This team will make us proud to be Americans. Excuse me? What a jackass. We're already proud to be Americans, you jerk. We don't need Joe Biden to make us proud to be Americans. And then they got John D. Student Kerry and and a whole bunch of leftists. But don't worry, because Kamala Harris announced that this cabinet, they already have a cabinet? Looks like America. The problem is, it might look like America, but it thinks like Castro. It thinks like Putin. It thinks like Xi. So there's nothing wrong with having a cabinet that looks like America. The problem is, we need a cabinet that thinks like America. Plus, they're not in the cabinet yet. One president at a time. Now, I'm pleased to report, I just saw on Just the News, John Solomon's outstanding site, that Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Arizona, the Republican legislatures are holding hearings into the voter activity that took place. This is exactly why when... Uh, when ascertainments of, of certificates of ascertainments are signed off by these bureaucrats and sent to the archivist of the United States before matters are resolved in the state, uh, it creates problems because the state legislature is cut out of the process. These phony pseudo-constitutionalists on cable TV really need to educate themselves 
and stop giving phony information to the public based on what they read in the press. If they have hearings and they find that there is something wrong or something of that sort, the electors have already been certified and sent to the archivist of the United States. Then what happens? Then what happens? That's why you're supposed to wait. Have a little bit of patience. What's the problem? The problem is they're trying to steamroll this whole damn thing. Judges are, the media, clearly Biden and the Democrats, and now the bureaucrats and some of the uh, phony Republicans. Let's get it over with. Come on, come on, let's get it over with. Not so fast. And so in this respect, I want to salute those legislatures because we need a record. We need a historical record, and we need a record to take into 2022 and 2024 People keep saying, you know, we need to fix this. We need to get back to in-person voting. And how shall we do that when we have corrupt courts like the Pennsylvania Supreme Court? How are we going to do it? They don't tell you that. Well, you got to fight it. You got to fight it now. You can't wait to the next battle. How many more elections? But the stock market went up. Let me tell you something. God forbid if Biden's the president, the stock market's not going to stay up. You ought to see his tax plan. It is a killer. It is going to kill American enterprise. It's going to kill American uh, competition. It's going to kill our businesses. All these union guys, most of whom I think voted for Trump, but then you're in for, you're in for a rude awakening. And even today, the media continue to try and destroy this platform called Parler. Why? Because it's actually open. They actually believe in free speech. They don't file notices. They don't punish adults. People who are posting things. See, we conservatives, we like liberty. So I'm going over to Parler because it believes in liberty. Facebook is tyrannical. Google is tyrannical. Um, What else? Twitter is tyrannical. They've left me alone for some reason. We're not sure why, but it's just a matter of time. The Washington Compost, the New York Slimes, all these left-wing phony media outlets, they're tyrannical. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Let me, uh, let me address this. This is Radio Free America. You're going to hear it straight from me. And unlike the illegitimate office of the president-elect, America first. So as is reported here, LifeNews.com actually, LifeNews.com, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Arizona legislatures will hold hearings on election fraud. Now, in Pennsylvania, you have a Republican legislature, 
and a Democrat executive branch. In Michigan, you have a Republican legislature and a Democrat executive branch. In Arizona, you have a Republican legislature and a Democrat executive branch. Now, what happened in these three states? Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Arizona, the Democrats who run the executive branch, the secretaries of state, the governors, and so forth, they made sure that the electoral votes were certified for Joe Biden, even while all three of those state legislatures have said we want to conduct hearings. So they did it quickly, and you'll see all over the media, even our favorite cable channels say, Pennsylvania certified for Biden. Yay! Michigan certified for Biden. Yay! Georgia Biden. Hold on now. Remember what I told you. The legislature's in charge. They wanted to hold hearings in all three of these states before the Democrats who run the executive branch and run these different committees and so forth certified. But because they knew in these states that the Republicans wanted to hold hearings in the legislature, they went ahead and certified as quickly as they could. They didn't have to certify today, yesterday, or last week. So the Democrats in the executive branch, whether it's of some commission, some board, the Secretary of State, some states the governor, signed off certifying the Biden electors and sent them off to Washington. Even though the legislatures in all three states wanted to hold hearings. And so Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Arizona, the Republican legislatures, are going to go through with hearings. And if they believe they find violations of state law by courts or what have you, or fraud or what have you, now what happens? I suspect what they'll do is they'll send a letter or some kind of resolution or something to the archivist to be delivered to the Congress when the time comes. Now, let me show you how the media is going to treat this. Because remember, the media are totalitarian. They're tyrannical. They're on a mission. They're salivating. It's like, a, it's like a, a, they have rabies, may I say. They're hot to trot. They think it's all sealed. They don't believe in the Constitution, except when they can use it to advance the ball. That's it. Those electors should not have been certified until these legislatures were done. They didn't even get to begin to hold hearings. They're talking about one or two day hearings. But it wasn't, you know, didn't matter. So the way a real reporter would report this is the executive branch in these states certified the electors for Biden. The Democrats did before the Republican legislatures could hold their hearings. What you're going to hear instead is the opposite. These states already certified, and now the Republicans are trying to upset the system. They're obstructing. They're trying to destroy the will of the people. And no doubt they're doing it at the president's direction. Now what's going to happen to our stock market? Now now what's going to happen to a, a peaceful transition of power? 
Now John Kerry won't be the special envoy for climate change. What are we going to do? What are we going to? This isn't supposed to happen. These legislatures, they're filled with hacks. They're not allowed to do this. Working on behalf of Trump? My God. That's how they're going to report it. That's how they're going to report it. They'll all be glum-faced. Oh, my God. Then they'll go to, let's see, John Bolton, what do you think? You know, Trump is a real SOB. Okay, Chris Christie, what do you think? Uh, can I have a donut? No, 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 Chris Christie, what do you think? The worst lawyers in America. <laughs> okay, Mitt Romney, what do you think? Trump is trash. Oh, yeah, yeah, look at this. Michael Steele, do you know how to think? That's right. They'll go right down the usuals. And then some of the new ones. Adam King said, what do you think? I'm really embarrassed for the country. I, re- I-, I really am. Oh, who else can we talk to? One schmuck after another in line. They like their headlines. They want to be seen as very thoughtful. We have a system. The system is being blown out. It's being blown out in the states. Now we have a process. The process is being blown out by these Democrats and the executive branches of these Republican legislator-controlled states. The legislatures are being cut out by the state courts. They're being cut out by federal courts. They're being cut out by governors. They're running with the ball as fast as they can to certify. And the legislature is the last one. They don't even have a say anymore. And then they're hoping the presidency, the Senate, then they're going to really sharpen their knives. Okay. Okay, now that we're kind of controlling the vote, We need to always control the vote. Now let's go after the Electoral College. Let's encourage states to have the national popular vote. Let's blow out these red states. Let's blow out the farmers and the ranchers and 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 everybody that works with their hands. Let's get rid of these guys. They'll do what we say whether they like it or not. So we'll destroy the Electoral College. Because every vote should count. Now, we'll destroy the Electoral College. Then we'll destroy the filibuster rule. We destroy the filibuster rule... Then we'll immediately pass legislation to expand the Supreme Court and pack it. Pack it. With five Ruth Bader Ginsburg types. That's what we'll do. We'll put in, put in people like that. Then we'll expand the Senate. Every vote should count. Everybody should be represented. We'll expand the Senate. Two seats from Puerto Rico... And two seats from the District of Columbia. By the way, footnote on the District of Columbia, you would have to amend the Constitution. But they won't care because the District of Columbia is carved out in the Constitution. No, 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 we're not amending anything. So the, the members, the Democrats, are really... John Bolton kind of stole my line, but he's into that. They're really the rioters in the streets without the Molotov cocktails. They're worse than them. They're worse than them. And I guess it was too much to ask George W. Bush to help out. I guess it was too much for John Bolton to be loyal. I guess it was too much for Chris Christie to keep his big fat pie hole shut just for two minutes. Unbelievable. And so these state legislatures which have the primary role under our constitutional system, are being cut out of the system. And where's the United States Supreme Court? Where is the United States Supreme Court today? Where is it? There's a case sitting there. It's collecting dust. 
Where's old John Roberts? Remember him, Reagan guy, worked at the Department of Justice. Remember they tried to use a few memos that he wrote against him? Old John, man, he was a fire breather. Where's John now? John's just like Harry Blackman and Anthony Kennedy and all the others. He's just another. Another also ran. We could sure use William Rehnquist right now. But unfortunately, we have John Roberts. The Supreme Court could have put an end to all this early on. They've made a mess of things. And now they're the target. They're the target. The Democrats hold the White House and take the Senate. The Supreme Court will change forever. And history, John Roberts, will hold you in part accountable for it. You're not so smart. You're not so clever. Whether you wear a black robe or not. You're still flesh and blood. And I guess brain matter. I'll be right back. Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. We had uh, Dr. Robert Epstein on our Life, Liberty, and Levin Fox program way back in September 2019 when he alerted the nation really for the first time on the national scene to what Google was up to with its algorithms and so forth. And um, we wanted to have you back last month. You really weren't ready, doctor. I think you're ready somewhat now, and I want to thank you for coming back. Dr. Robert Epstein is Senior Research Psychologist at the American Institute of Behavior and Technology. How are you, sir? Uh, Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm okay. What can you tell us about, number one, you have people in the field, and number two, what you're picking up initially from Google? Google. Sure, sure. Well, we we got very ambitious this year. we uh, back in 2016, we when we first started to learn how to do monitoring, we had 95 field agents. We call them in 24 states. Uh, this year, we uh, we had 733 field agents uh, strategically located in three of the uh, key swing states: Arizona, Florida, and North Carolina. And we preserved more than 500,000 uh, ephemeral experiences. Those are those short-lived experiences that the tech companies use to uh, manipulate people and that are normally lost forever. And we 
preserved them so we could look at them and see uh, what was going on and whether there was bias or manipulation or targeting. And uh, we've only just begun digging in, but we already found some very disturbing things uh, about uh, what Google and other companies uh, were showing people in the weeks and months leading up to this election. Mm-hmm. Now, when you talk about these ephemeral experiences, these are the things that these companies kind of flash up, draw you to a particular place, or suggest that you vote, that sort of thing, right? Yes, like search results, search suggestions, news feeds, uh, targeted messages. These are things that uh, don't leave any paper trail. Uh, so you can't go back in time and see what you know search results people were shown, but they have a tremendous impact on people's opinions and votes, and these companies know it. One of the leaks from uh, Google to uh, the Wall Street Journal uh, about two years ago was a conversation among people at Google in which they're discussing how can they use ephemeral experiences to change people's views about Trump's travel ban. So they know this, and this is what I've been studying in my experimental research since 2013, and this is what these monitoring systems are all about, actually capturing, preserving these ephemeral experiences that are normally lost forever. So you have the most massive team doing the most massive amount of research, these, these half a million uh, examples, that you've ever had, you're starting to, to, uh, to make determinations on the data that you've collected. What does the early information show you? It's showing uh, three things at this point. Number one, it's showing in Google search results, but not Bing or Yahoo, and that's important. In Google search results, it's showing a very strong liberal bias in all 10 search positions on the first page of search results when people are conducting uh, election-related searches. Now, I have to add, uh, we deliberately, in this, in this kind of uh, work, we only use neutral search terms, the kind that uh, undecided voters would use. But our, our panel of field agents, that consists of uh, a politically diverse group. So, in other words, we have people we know are Democrats, Republicans. Uh, we've got independents. We have people who call themselves other. So they're using these neutral search terms to see what Google's going to give them back. And we're finding very strong liberal bias on Google. And this is very important as well. And, uh, no matter what the demographic group, everyone's getting search results with liberal bias. In fact, our conservatives were getting search results that were more liberally biased than the search results our liberals were getting. That's very, very interesting. Now, anything on Facebook? Did you, did you take a look at them by any chance? We, in fact, are monitoring Facebook. We're also monitoring YouTube. We're still monitoring, by the way, because we've now moved into uh, Georgia for the, uh, the runoffs. Mm -hmm. uh, the, we have so much data that, you know, it's really going to take a long time to, to, to mm -hmm. look at it. But uh, Facebook, the, the, the possibility there is targeted messaging. Uh, in other words, sending, a, let's say, a vote reminder, uh, you know, just to people uh, who, who lean in one direction politically. That's the real threat of Facebook. 
And we did find a smoking gun. We found exactly that kind of targeting on the home page of Google. We found for a period of days, we found uh, vote reminders going only to liberals. Wow. Now, that is about the most extreme kind of manipulation there is because think about it. If they were doing that for months, that would affect who would vote, who would register to vote. Uh, that's that's an astonishingly brazen kind of manipulation. But during those days, uh, not a single one of our conservative field agents received a vote reminder, just the liberals did. Now, the good news is that on October 29th, when we started to go public with some of this stuff, we got Google to back off. We got them to stop that particular manipulation. And so beginning midnight on that night, um, that were, they were sending those vote reminders to everyone, finally. But, you know, with all the earlier and earlier voting, mail-in voting, they could do a lot of damage before that, I think, don't you? Yes, we have actually calculated at this point that if those manipulations had been in place uh, for a period of months, uh, they would have shifted bare minimum, absolutely bare minimum, uh, 6 million votes in one direction. Again, without leaving a paper trail, with no one knowing that they're doing this. This is unbelievable. But I shouldn't be shocked because you, you said, last time I had you on, on my Fox show, you said this is what they do, this is what's going on, and now you're finding out they're still doing it. And you may find out it's even worse by the time you're done. Well, I, I, I told you what I – yes, what, what we felt they had been doing, but I never expected, first of all, to be able to collect this much data and preserve this much evidence because that's what this is. Uh, and I didn't expect to see you know, manipulation so brazen, hmm. literally you know, targeted vote reminders. That's, that's incredible. Doctor, I'd like to carry over the bottom of the hour for a few minutes, if you're available. Sure. We're talking to Dr. Robert uh, Epstein, who is uh, really a top, you know, you're you're a top behavioralist, I would call you. We'll be right back. Liberty's Voice, Mark Levin. Talk with that voice now, 877-381-3811. Now, Robert Epstein, I, I kind of discovered you, me, just me, a year ago, because you wrote a book about Google. Or you wrote articles, and you were, you were on top of this, and I said, who is this gentleman? You are very good at what you do, and I want people to know you have a site called StopBigTechNow.com. StopBigTechNow.com, and you folks can uh, go there and, uh, and support this effort. I hope you will. So I, I want to get into this a little bit more deeply. You have hundreds and hundreds of uh, field agents. You've taken uh, hundreds of thousands of, uh, of uh, or, or have protected hundreds and thousands of pieces of evidence involving yeah. Google. And, you're, and you're con- your unequivocal conclusion is, yes, they pushed people toward voting for Joe Biden and the Democrats, correct? Do I have that right or not? Absolutely correct. And uh, the, the, um, the evidence is it's as clear as 
could possibly be. Uh, and I was contacted when I first started to make some of this known. I was contacted by one of the state AGs, by also by Senator Ron Johnson, a couple other people. And they said to me, you've got to go into Georgia. So we're doing that right now to, to, to do the same thing with the runoffs, except this time we're hoping by, by letting these companies know, letting Google know that we're in Georgia, letting them know now that we're in Georgia, we're hoping we can get them to back way off really fast so that we have at least uh, you know, the, the remnant of a free and fair election. The, uh, the usual media outlets – how are they treating you? Are they embracing any of this research? Are, you, are they attacking are you, you? Are you kidding? Uh, to the extent that I'm even being mentioned anymore, uh, I, they're slaughtering me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, this is the nature of the beast. They haven't asked to look at any evidence, have they? Of course not. They're not even fact-checking. They don't, they don't, I don't understand this at all. I'm not, I'm not a conservative. I don't have a conservative bone in my body. I do not understand this abuse well it doesn't matter because they're not really liberals are they they have a they have a totalitarian mindset at this point i don't know what's going on it doesn't make any sense to me because this is information that you know that should be of interest to everyone i mean a lot of us have kids grandkids i mean we should be concerned that uh, you know, a couple of big tech companies are deliberately, strategically uh, influencing thinking and behavior and votes on a massive scale. And by the way, they're not just doing it here. They're doing it around the world. They're impacting three billion people every single day. And do you find it interesting, uh, Robert? May I call you Robert? I feel like I've known sure. you a while now. Sure. Do you find it interesting how they're going after this little entrepreneur startup called Parler? They want to destroy it. Well, I, you know, I have some mixed feelings about Parler, I have to, I have to admit, because, uh, you know, we're already a divided nation. And on this issue, you know, I stand with the founding fathers. And of course, you're, you're, you're a historian, you know a lot about these things. Uh, but, you know, they, they didn't like the idea of a, uh, of, of parties and especially of a two-party system. They thought it would divide the nation, interfere with people's ability to think clearly. Yes, but they did I mean, start it. <laughs> well, the point is I, I, I think that uh, the parlor, you know, is attracting uh, mainly conservatives who are understandably distraught. Uh, with Facebook but, and Twitter but here's and all the thing, that. Just so it. you know about parlor, parlor never came to me. I went to parlor, and I'll tell you why. Not their management. I just moved over there. If you go on my Facebook site, Robert, about every third or fifth posting I put in there, somebody at Facebook makes a comment. And then some third-party organization, which they say are are, uh, referees, and they're not referees. They're left-wing. They go in there, and they start banning, and they start doing other things. And so you look around, and you say, well, where can I go? Well, Parler is where I'm going to go. And by the way, they don't prevent liberals from going there or radicals or anything else from going there. So I think it's, it's, it's the opposite. In other words, I think conservatives really are attracted to free speech and ideas, and we're prepared to debate them and duke it out. Whereas I think, I won't even call them liberals. These are radical leftists who demand conformity. Like in your case, they don't want to debate you. They don't want to hear what you have to say. They want to kill you, crush you. I, I, I cannot disagree with what you're saying, but I think we have a 
big problem in this country too, and that you know we are divided. There's two parallel Americas now, and uh, you know I don't think the solution to that is to create new uh, platforms that attract you know people who are on one track already. I just don't think that's a solution to the problem. Well, I think we've got to find out ways to compete with these uh, these massive mass of this this oligopoly. And, uh, it's extremely yeah. dangerous. I, I agree with you there. And I have, you know, I've pr- proposed in various writings, I've proposed ways to, to, to constrain these companies and, and remove the powers that they have of surveillance, uh, of censorship and manipulations. We have to do that. I agree with you there. And you're talking mainly about the censorship issue, and I agree with you 100%. And by, by the way, this, com- sur- yeah. the, this surveillance thing is a big deal. Sure. And they're taking our data and they're selling it. And most people don't even realize they, it. Well, they're doing more than just selling it. They're sharing it uh, with intelligence agencies, not just here, around the world. Uh, they're building digital models of us and our kids to predict what we're going to do and say and think and what we're going to buy. Uh, it's much more than just selling. It's uh, you know, it, it's extremely dangerous, and people have no idea how extensive the surveillance is. I mean, it's it's not just when you use Gmail or you use Chrome. By the way, you're crazy if you do either. Uh, if you have an Android phone, then Google's listening all the time. It, the problem is much bigger. I mean, if you have a Nest smart thermostat, uh, Google bought that company a few years ago. They put microphones in it without telling anyone. The newest versions of the thermostat have cameras in them. So you're you're surrounded by surveillance tools, uh, and most of them are in the hands of Google, and less less a little bit less so in the hands of Facebook. Uh, you know it's it's outrageous. The surveillance is completely out of control. Uh, obviously the the censorship is everyone knows that, and the manipulations. I mean that's what I study in my research. These are three huge problems that present a terrible threat to democracy to free speech, and even to human autonomy. And, you know, there's no one in the world more concerned about them or probably more knowledgeable about them than I am. Uh, and there are things that can be done. That's, but the question is, is anything going to be done? You know, with Washington literally being controlled now, moving forward into the Biden administration, being controlled by the tech companies uh, who, who, who were determined to, to make sure Trump was thrown out, uh, are we going to be moving forward, making progress on these issues, or are we doomed? Well, Robert, apparently, the uh, in the office of the president-elect, um, these big tech companies are all over the all over the Biden uh, operation right now. Oh, you have you you have no idea. You have absolutely no idea. Trump's uh, excuse me, Obama's second term started with Obama shutting down the antitrust investigation against Google. By the end of his second term, six federal agencies were being run by former Google executives, his chief technology officer, former Google executive. Uh, you know, they took over D.C., and that's going to happen uh, on a scale that we've never seen before uh, as soon as Biden is in office. Uh, and and then all of the investigations that are ongoing against Google, which started in the Trump administration, all of them are going to be shut down. You don't have any insight into Amazon, do you? I have some. I have some, yes. I mean, it seems to me they have their fingers in everything. Am I wrong? 
They do, and 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 if and the Amazon Alexa device, I made my eldest son throw his away. You know, is listening all the time. So Amazon is getting, they're getting into the surveillance game big time, and of course they're just uh, taking over our economy. Uh, so yeah, Amazon is is a serious uh, threat. Uh, it's not the biggest threat right now. The biggest threat is Google. But, is it, uh, yeah, isn't it interesting that? President Trump, a man who comes out of business, really no government background whatsoever. He's looking at these things, and he is focusing in on these massive companies. He's saying they're too big. They have too much power. He's talked to Google and Facebook and Twitter and Amazon and so forth. And then the liberals, they say they're they're not strong enough. They're not censoring enough. They're not targeting their political opponents. What's happened to civil liberties in this country? There used to be groups that believed in it. I don't Look, hear a lot head of is it. Spinning. I, I, I t- I'm just telling you, my head is spinning. I'm looking at actual data every day showing me the extent of the manipulations that are occurring, the extent of the censorship. And I've, plus, I've developed methods uh, for measuring these things, proving that these things are occurring. Why am I the only one doing this? Why did a prominent D.C. attorney call me up a few days ago, called me up more than once, by the way, urging me to go into hiding? Really? Yes. Wow. Well, listen, you come back anytime you want. And when you have new information, I hope you'll let us know. Okay, Robert? Will do. We got, we got a nice big far reach here. And, uh, and, 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 and send, me, send people, please, to Stop Big Tech yes. now. Dot com because we went into Georgia at the request of one of the state AGs, Jeff Landry and Senator Ron Johnson, and we did it without funding. So, you know, on, on a hope and a prayer. Uh, so we have to get the funding now to make sure we can scale I, I have up. I posted this. it on yeah. my sites. You're talking to Thank you. tremendous patriots out here who are very concerned about all this. And uh, uh, over the holiday, and I hope starting this evening, starting after this call, you'll go on my sites, Mark Levin Show Parlor. Mark Levin Show Twitter, Mark Levin Show Facebook, and just so you know, Robert, at the end of the year, I'm out of Facebook. I've had enough of them. Good for you. All right, my friend. Good luck. Have a great Thanksgiving. Thanks for your help. I really appreciate it. Same to you. You bet. I like this gentleman a lot. We've talked to him in the past. We gave him a national forum 14, 15 months ago. People were shocked at what he had to say. We tried to get him back on a couple of weeks ago. He said, I'm not ready because he was still looking at some of the data. And uh, you, can see, you can hear the integrity that the man has. And it's frightening. As we enter the Christmas season, with all its blessings, Hillsdale College thanks you for standing with them as they celebrate over 175 years of blessings. Since 1844, Hillsdale has provided the kind of education essential to preserving free government. The college extends its educational mission beyond the campus, on behalf of Liberty, through a variety of outreach programs. And perhaps you receive in Primus for free every month, or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses, or attended one of their free regional events. As you've heard, Hillsdale refuses to take one penny of government money. Now, this independence allows the college to focus on promoting its core principles, learning, character, faith, and freedom, without government interference. There's never been a greater need for the kind of classical liberal arts education that Hillsdale offers. So, Gesundheit, 
So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the country. To learn more about Hillsdale College, visit levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Wait till you hear what I have for you next hour. Wait till you hear what I have for you next hour. Does this holiday season feel like it's been a long time coming? Does to me. But make it worth the wait. Send the perfect gift. Send yourself something special. Bring families together for a delicious Omaha steak feast. A holiday feast. Right now, you can get the Deluxe Grillers Assortment, which includes perfectly aged top sirloins, juicy chicken breasts, yummy sides, and their famous apple tartlets. Plus, when you order this mouth-watering package, you'll get four free burgers and a free digital meat thermometer. So go to omahasteaks.com, enter code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, into the search bar, and order today. This exclusive offer is available only to my listeners and has a discount of over 50%. Omaha Steaks isn't just steak. It's a fantastic gift to share the joy of the season. Don't forget when you order the Deluxe Grillers Assortment, you'll get four free Omaha Steaks burgers and a free digital meat thermometer with my code LEVIN. With my code LEVIN. So you have to use that. You go to omahasteaks.com, code L-E-V-I-N, I would encourage you to do that this evening, right away. That's omahasteaks.com. Enter code LEVIN so you can get this great deal with the discounts. It's a deal you won't find anywhere else. omahasteaks.com. Enter code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N. I'm not trying to depress you. I'm just trying to alert you. You want depression, you watch the regular news outlets. Uh, John Kerry. Now, what is this climate change stuff all about? It's about undermining American sovereignty and Americans, America's institutions. It's also an attack on our economic system. It's the rest of the world trying to drag down the American capitalist system. This is why it amazes me when you have some of the union bosses in this country endorsing these fools. The environmental movement is anti-union, it's anti-worker, it's anti-white-collar, blue-collar, no-collar. It's anti-assembly line, it's anti-smokestack industries, it's anti-automobile, truck, airplane. That's the environmental industry. And the environmental industry and the working class in this country have almost nothing in common. Now, when you read about the so-called climate change movement, it is a movement that was imported in the United States from Europe, as all of these fascistic or communistic movements are. It was imported into the United States in the early 70s, mid-70s. It didn't really take hold. You had people like Naomi Wolf, who's an ultra-leftist. Naomi Wolf wrote, and I've talked about this, that said, you know, we want to eliminate capitalism. She was raised by a couple of Reds. She said, we want to eliminate capitalism. She said, so if we can do it through the environment, we can do it through climate change, then we do it. In other words, we use whatever vehicle we can, so they use all the vehicles. 
All the vehicles you hear about. You know, systemic racism. The wage gap. The environment. Whatever it is. So all these vehicles are in play at once. And all have the same thing in common. To destroy that which exists. Because it's unjust. It's not equal. It's inhuman. It's not compassionate. But when you take these individuals alone, John Kerry's an idiot. He doesn't know anything. He's married into wealth twice. He was elected. He armed the Iranians. He undermined the Israelis. He undermined our country. And under Biden, should he become president, Kerry's back. So are all these other losers. What these people don't understand is, and they don't want to understand, they're ideologues. Is that President Trump never said we shouldn't be involved in international affairs. He never said we should turn our back on the global system. He said we need to make sure that this is managed better and that our top priority is the American citizenry. He did not want to export our sovereignty. I talk about this in Liberty and Tyranny also. But that said, that's exactly what these people want to do. The credibility of our countries, it plummeted because of Trump. We're going to bring America back, the people who hate America, of course. You got Martha Raddatz, who was big with uh, the Obamas, who she invited to her wedding. Foreign policy picks are not political people. Unbelievable. The fraud in the press is unbelievable. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Martha Raddatz is at ABC News. Andrea Mitchell's at MSNBC. Yamichi Alcindor is, I believe, at NPR. I want you to listen to these people. It's sickening. First, Martha Raddatz. Cut seven. Go. This is about the least flashy team you could possibly get. They are deeply experienced, uh, they are humble, and they are lifelong public servants. When I look at that group up there, and let's put John Kerry aside, because as we know, he was the Democratic nominee for president once, but they are not political. They are just career people. They have worked together for many years. I remember Jake Sullivan at the at the side of Hillary Clinton when she was Secretary of State all the time. And as they say, they really do reflect America. <laughs> this is Biden announcing his cabinet before he is the president-elect. 
announcing his cabinet. Did you hear what she said? I'm telling you, folks. It's unbelievable. Now let's go to Andrea Mitchell and MSLSD, Hat Tip Newsbusters. Go ahead. They are now being told that it is not going to be political. And Joe Biden is saying, these are people, this is a team who is going to tell me, this team will tell me what I need to know, <laughs> what, not what I want to know. That is a big change. Big change. They all think exactly the same way. But look, look at these. It, it, to me, Raditz, Mitchell, now this, how do you pronounce her name? I don't know. Yemechi Alcinder, right? Yamichi Alcindor. Let's listen to her on MSNBC today. Go ahead. The other thing I'll just say is I was talking to a Democrat who just said this also felt like the Avengers. It felt like we're being rescued from this, this <laughs> craziness that we've all lived through from the last four years. And now here are the superheroes to come and save us all. The superheroes to save us all. You want to know why? They object to any effort to get to the bottom of what took place in this election. Why they perpetrated the Russia fraud, why they perpetrated everything they did. They have disgraced this country. They have disgraced themselves, but they don't know it yet because they live in a bubble. I want to read you something from Michael Walsh, who's a brilliant man. And I believe this was at Epic. I'm trying to remember. I think so. Says the Republic had been failing for nearly half a century. The great capital city was riven by factions. Graft and corruption were rife. Political opponents were subjected to violence in the streets. Elections were decided by intimidation and bribed electors. The tradition that held the country together for centuries hung by a thread. Dynasties seesawed. Finally, two mighty opposing forces faced each other across a river. And then Julius Caesar crossed the Rubicon. Karl Marx, the avatar of modern evil, liked to say that history repeats itself. The first time is tragedy, the second time is a farce. As another cliche has it, history doesn't repeat, but it sometimes rhymes. But there's nothing farcical about the American political situation at the moment, nor anything particularly lyrical. President Donald Trump and the forces of real change in contemporary politics are now locked in a death struggle with the permanent bipartisan fusion party, the unholy alliance of radical Democrats and milquetoast Republicans, who profited mightily from the business as usual of Washington practically since Eisenhower left office in 1961. All Americans who care about the Constitution should wish him well, even if they cannot wish him success. Trump's media asserted defeat three weeks ago, and his adamant conviction the election was stolen from him, by a perfect storm of unnecessarily liberalized changes to voting laws, traditional big-city Democrat political operation, finagled voting machines, statistical improbabilities, ballots of uncertain provenance, and actual vote changing, all alleged at this point and not yet proven, much of it actually has been, have caused one of the biggest political crises in U.S. history. And the president's refusal to back down and concede defeat while adhering to the only norms that count his rights under our constitutional Republican form of government, has brought him nothing but criticism from this fusion party, which was stung by his surprise victory in 2016, and has spent the past four years trying to ensure a black swan event like that will never happen again by any means necessary. Why don't you just play nice, accept the verdict, and give up, they insist. 
This is rich coming from those who refuse to accept the outcome of 2016, proclaim themselves the resistance, and have been waging guerrilla warfare against Trump and his voters ever since. Democrats and their partisans have concocted the Russia collusion hoax and the imaginary Ukrainian impeachment. Some have resorted to violence, such as the armed attack on Republican salons in 2017 by a disaffected Democrat that left Steve Scalise seriously wounded. As Caesar was, as he returned to Italy, the president and his family have been constantly threatened with lawsuits, both private and public, and have been subjected to other ruinous fantasies, and all in the name of a higher loyalty. Beleaguered from the start in his own White House, it's taken Trump the better part of his first term to wrap his arms around the magnitude of the task the American people assigned to him four years ago, drink training the swamp. Obama holdovers abound, outright saboteurs, such as James Comey, weren't cashiered quickly enough, and so forth. And then he goes on. As we've seen throughout the past four years, appeasement doesn't work. No matter what the duly elected president president of the United States did, there was not satisfying, no satisfying the rabid left in its media, short of Trump's expulsion from office. And so they mounted one of the strongest counter-campaigns in U.S. political history, rigging their nomination process to spit forth a superannuated, lifelong political hack, rushing headlong into his embarrassing dotage and installing as his vice president the dangerous woman they really wanted to head their ticket, but who couldn't garner any support during the primaries. It's a breathtakingly cynical ploy, and a stain on American political history should it succeed. So please, Mr. President, he writes, fight all the way to the end until these cases get to court, the big one, located right behind the Capitol. And your arguments can be heard over the talking heads and the chattering classes. Go on national TV, explain to the American people what the stakes really are. It's not your political survival, but the survival of the republic itself under a constitution the left increasingly openly despises. Michael Walsh is editor of the Pipeline.org, author of The Devil's Pleasure Palace and The Fiery Angel. His latest book, Last Stands, will be published in December. He's also a good friend. He's a brilliant man. Now, before I take a break, I can't do this justice. But I heard the tail end of my friend Larry O'Connor's show at WMEL in Washington, and he was talking about this. Pennsylvania 2020 voting analysis report that came out on November 16th. Other people had sent it to me. I hadn't had time to look at it, but now I have, given, uh, uh, thankfully, that Larry started to, to talk about it. I want to read you this executive summary from this document. And these people are experts. Now, if I were to post this on Facebook right now, they would admonish me and probably uh, punish me, wouldn't they, Mr. Producer? This scientific analysis of the reported Pennsylvania 2020 presidential voting results is a nonpartisan effort by unpaid citizens and volunteer experts. Our only objective is to play a small role in helping assure that all legal Pennsylvania votes are counted and that only legal Pennsylvania votes are counted. Whether Donald Trump or Joseph Biden wins is not of concern in this analysis. The scientists involved with the report just want the election results to truly reflect the wishes of Pennsylvania voting citizens. Since there are multiple reports of voting chicanery circulating the Internet, remember this was on the 6th, a collection of statisticians and other scientists volunteered to examine the reported Pennsylvania results 
from a scientific statistical perspective. We feel the best way to do this is to start by putting ourselves in the shoes of bad actors and then considering how they might go about changing the wishes of Pennsylvania citizens into a different result. Some of the actions they might take are, number one, keep ineligible people, deceased, moved, etc., on the voting rolls. This would disguise actual voter participation rates, allow fabricated votes to be submitted in their names, etc. Number two, get legislation passed that did not require in-person voter identification. This would make it easier for non-citizens, felons, etc. to vote. Number three, encourage a much higher percentage of voting by mail. This would make it much easier to manipulate, as in-person checking is a more secure way to keep track of actual registered voters. Number four, discard envelopes and other identifying materials from mail-in votes. This makes it very hard to check for duplications. Number five, count mail-in votes without careful signature or registration verification. This makes mail-in an easier choice for manipulators. Number six, allow votes to count that are received after Election Day. This can direct where mail-in votes are needed to go. Number seven, stop vote counting for several hours before the final tabulations. This allows genuine, excuse me, this allows for an assessment of how many votes are needed, etc. Number eight, do not allow genuine oversight of voting tabulation. This would make it easier to lose or miscalculate actual votes. Number nine, connect voting machines or precincts to the Internet. This makes it quite easy for third parties to access and change votes. Number 10, distribute manipulations over multiple counties. This makes the adjustments more difficult to find. Number 11, use multiple tactics to make manipulations. This also makes the changes more difficult to find. And number 12, make most of the manipulations in unexpected districts. In other words, don't do as much manipulation where as expected. There are undoubtedly more strategies those who are trying to control our politics would employ, but this is a representative sample. It should also be made clear many of these are difficult to find. Frequently, there's documented proof of some of those voting actions, like leaving non-eligible voters on the rolls. But these are usually dismissed with cursory responses such as, we're doing the best we can, or those deviations are not statistically significant, or our rolls are as accurate as other states, or there are some benefits for doing this, and on and on. But studies like this and reports like this, and they cite them, do not instill confidence that election result checks will reflect the wishes of actual citizens. So what can we do as scientists? Clearly, we can't verify the legitimacy of every Pennsylvania vote submitted. On the other hand, we can, from a scientific perspective, and with sufficient data, provide a statistically strong assessment that reported votes in certain locations are statistically unusual. Such a determination should be treated as an indication that some type of accident or purposeful manipulation almost certainly occurred, and they go on. Then they point to some of these counties. They have chart after chart after chart. And um, I'm trying to find, because I couldn't print it out. Here, for example, they take a look at Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, the county I come from, they look at 2008, Obama got 253,000 votes. 2012, Obama got 233,000 votes. They look at 2016, Clinton got 256,000 votes. You ready, Mr. Producer? They look at 2020, Biden got 313,000 votes. Does anybody really believe that? 
To look at Allegheny County, big Democrat county, Obama in 08 got 373,000 votes. Obama in 2012 got 352,000 votes. Clinton in 2016 got 36,000 votes. Excuse me, 367,000 votes. And Biden got 415,000 votes. Anybody believe that? Delaware County, Pennsylvania. Obama in 08 got 178,000 votes. In 012, he got 171,000 votes. Hillary got 177,000 votes. Biden got 200,000 votes. In these big counties, Montgomery, Allegheny, Chester, Bucks, Delaware, Biden significantly outdid Clinton and Obama twice. Now you might say, well, the populations have increased. Actually, in many of these areas, the population has actually decreased. Decreased. Excuse me. And I can go on. And they say this is a big deal. And it is a big deal. Now, normally you could attach this to a filing in federal court or even state court. And it would be enough to get past a motion to dismiss. But the judges, they don't want to, they don't want to go through. They don't want to do it. And so they're requiring significantly more information. Or they're making excuses is what they're really doing. I hear people talk on radio and TV who've really never litigated or have only litigated a handful of matters. I can tell you somebody who was president of a legal foundation. I don't think we ever had a case dismissed. I don't think we ever had a case dismissed. Unexplained significant deviations from expected results like mathematical inconsistencies supported by experts should be more than sufficient to establish a reasonable basis to file a complaint and justify fast discovery. Unless you're a federal judge and you don't want to be involved in this. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Newsbusters, I'm not going to have time to get into a fantastic piece where they talk about how the media was involved in stealing the election. And you can hear these fruitcakes, morons, and I better watch my language. You can hear how they talk about Biden 
what they used to say about Trump. The same people that used to throw verbal Molotov cocktails at the President of the United States. Now they're throwing kisses at Biden. It's sickening. Absolutely sickening. Let's see here. The great Paul Bedard at the Washington Examiner. 66% of the Republicans want Donald Trump to run again in 2024. 79%, that's 8 out of 10, say the election was stolen. And I stick with the 80%. And the 66%. It is hilarious now. A lot of these Republicans who wanted to run for president in 2024, now they have to wait, don't they, Mr. Producer? For Donald to decide. Yes, they do. The other thing uh, is that uh, 73% of respondents said they'd heard about the allegations involving Biden and China and all the rest of it. 27% said they not, including 36% of Biden voters. Those Biden voters were then asked, have you been aware of this actual event and evidence and emails and so forth? Would you have uh, voted for him? The voters were then given several options. Several options. Let's see. Uh, 5.6% said they would have voted of the Democrats. Who voted, uh, excuse me, those who voted for Biden for a third party. Not voted for him, 4.7%. Not voted at all, 1.7%. So over 10% of them would not have voted for Joe Biden. Here's your media. Be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Is Radio Free America on the Mark Levin Show? Call now, 877-381-3811. Cheryl Atkinson really has blown the whistle on the media. She's probably the first one to blow the whistle on the media. I remember she used to be a, a reporter at CBS. She's written a fantastic book. It's really prescient. It's really timely, slanted. How the news media taught us to love censorship and hate journalism. Cheryl, how are you? I'm great. I'm so excited to be on your program. Thank you, Mark. Well, it is a great honor. So let me give you the floor. Tell everybody what motivated you to write this book, when you decided to write this book, and give us a feel for what's in the book. I think I consider this now the third in a trilogy of two books I wrote before this, uh, the first around 2014, when I left CBS News ahead of my contract, as I observed what changes had happened in the industry of news 
and how it was growing more difficult, not just at CBS, but complaints from a lot of people I know and colleagues at national news organizations. It was harder all the way around to report fair and unfettered news because there were special interests, political and corporate, trying to make sure they steer the narrative a certain way. And they were very successful, in my view, the first two decades of this century in getting their nose under the tent at news organizations to define the terms of how we cover stories, what we talk about, what we don't talk about, what views are considered acceptable and ones that shouldn't be heard, which was new to me after decades in journalism that we just censor things entirely. And um, then I talked about in the second book, the whole industry, I called it the smear, this multi-billion dollar group of PR firms, crisis management firms, political action committees, nonprofits, global law firms that together comprise an industry that sells this influence over the news media and sells ways for companies and political interests to control news and information. Then, in my view, 2016 comes along and the people that want to control narratives for their own reasons, usually it traces back to financial, they saw that they had a pretty good trip on a pretty good hold on the news landscape, the information landscape, but not on the Internet. And they saw people were able to go to the Internet and get largely unfettered access to information, whether it's viewpoints they don't want you to hear or have, or whether it's peer-reviewed published scientific studies that they don't want you to see. So they set about in 2016 to try to change that too. And I talk about that in Slanted. It's sort of an extension of controlling the news, this effort to control social media, Google searches, what you can and can't see. And I will say that I think it's actually quite clever because before they, these unseen third parties, usually with conflicted interests, reasons they want us to see things and not see certain things, they knew in 2016 they couldn't suddenly step in and just start censoring things overtly because the public wouldn't stand for it. So they created a market for it. They had to make us think this is something that would be useful for us. They had to create a demand for it. And you can look at David Brock from the propaganda group Media Matters, who brags about actually to his donors, saying that he's the one that convinced Facebook to embark on the first what I call fake fact checks, pressured Facebook into doing this. And we went on from there by saying that there was fake news that could hurt us, by saying that other people needed to act as intermediaries. They wormed their way into our information landscape, and now there are a lot of people who say, yes, I want someone to curate my information. Mm. I like it when these people come in and tell me what my tender eyes shouldn't see. And I think that's a very dangerous place. It is a very dangerous place, and it is always from one perspective. I mean, you don't see liberal commentators uh, being, uh, being dinked or dinged, I should say, by, uh, by Facebook or by Twitter. You didn't see Joe Biden. You don't see uh, you don't see members of Congress on the left, and these so-called third parties, you know, Reuters and Politifact, and they're actually quite liberal. And in the in the age of Trump, the news media and these uh, social sites and so forth, it's actually gotten a hell of a lot worse, hasn't it? Absolutely. I mean, one thing Trump accomplished, whether he meant to or not was there was growing bias among the media, not just for political interests, but for corporate reasons and money reasons. But we were maintaining the appearance of a firewall between 
news and opinion. And we were pretending that the influence wasn't there. And Trump somehow, by being the outsider and having these unconventional ways, made the media lose their mind and admit exactly what we are and what we were out for. In fact, the New York Times announced and other news organizations with the advent of Trump that they were suspending their longstanding normal ethics and practices because they said these standards didn't fit. They needed to not abide by the standards that they had abided by because this is a uniquely dangerous president. And I, of course, argue quite rationally, I think, that your standards and practices aren't a sliding scale. They exist so that when you cover somebody you may have personal feelings about, that you, you still follow neutral practices and treat everybody the same. They're not supposed to be lifted just because one day you decided you really, really don't like somebody you're covering. And this encompasses the New York Times deciding to use the word lie. I talk about that a lot in the book Slanted, the verbiage of the narrative. When the New York Times began calling Trump a liar in their headlines, it was cheered on not just by other journalists and nonprofit news organizations and watchdogs who should have been frowning upon it, but it was cheered on by journalism professors, one of whom I quote in my book, who talks about in an op-ed that neutrality and objectivity in journalism are overrated. Who and is that? It was a, I can't remember his Jay name Rosen? off the top of my head. I think it is. I yeah, think that guy is... is I, <laughs> But, He's you know, notorious. think about it, Mark, saying, huh? that, saying that objectivity and journalism, sh- and journalism should be dead is, to me, like a doctor telling you diet and exercise don't matter. These are fundamentals. Mm-hmm. These aren't things that should be optional. But that's how they're viewed today in some journalism schools and by supposed journalism professionals. The book is slanted by uh, really a heroine here. Uh, Cheryl Atkinson, and it's uh, how the me- news media, <clears throat> excuse me, taught us to love censorship and hate journalism. It's up on all my sites, ladies and gentlemen: Parlor, Twitter, Facebook. For now, Mark Levin Show, Parlor, Mark Levin Show, Twitter, Mark Levin Show, Facebook. You can go directly to Amazon. It's a fantastic book. I want to play something for you. This is, uh, I think, it's Yamichi Alcinder on MSNBC today. Mr. Producer, cut nine. Go. The other thing I'll just say is I was talking to a Democrat who just said this also felt like the Avengers. It felt like we're being rescued from this, this <laughs> craziness that we've all lived through from the last four years. And now here are the superheroes to come and save us all. Now let's play Martha Raddatz on ABC News. Cut seven, Mr. Producer. This is about the least flashy team you could possibly get. They are deeply experienced. Uh, they are humble and they are lifelong public servants. When I look at that group up there, and let's put John Kerry aside, because as we know, he was the Democratic nominee for president once, but they are not political. They are just career people. They have worked together for many years. I remember Jake Sullivan at the at the side of Hillary Clinton when she was Secretary of State all the time. And as mm-hmm. they say, they really do reflect America. You know, Cheryl Atkinson, do these sound like reporters to you, seriously? Well, this is something that even those same reporters, I think, these are things they wouldn't have said five, six years ago. But as they've seen reporters follow suit and this industry has changed with the New York Times leading the way, it's sort of like they've gotten the green light and there's no repercussions for it. They get cheered on by their colleagues and their bosses when they do it. So I guess we just get more of the same. There's no self-policing. None. Well, that's uh, right, because if if you really want to look at it in a deep dive, the nonprofits that are supposed to watch over us, the news organizations, the Columbia Journalism Review, 
These are now funded by and influenced by the same interests that are controlling the news narratives and the social media narratives. These are these all trace back to the same people. It's part and parcel of the same effort and really should be no surprise when you look at who's pulling strings behind the scenes. You know, you've committed your entire career to journalism. It, it must really frustrate you. And I think this is why you write these books to say, hey, America, look at this. To, to see what's going on, because the, the professionalism, I mean, for so many of these people, it's just not prof- a profession. It is an opportunity to advance a cause, no? Absolutely. If you understand now, as I think you do, that much of the news at places that were formerly top, well-respected organizations, CNN, Washington Post, by the way, I worked at CNN when it was a news organization, mm-hmm. the New York Times, they're no longer... Their goal isn't to reflect the facts on the ground and bring truth to light. And you can see this at the New York Times staff meeting transcript that was leaked that I talk about in my book. The goal now is to advance a narrative for a particular cause. And it has nothing to do with putting forth both sides of an issue or revealing what's going on. They set out in advance what they want to tell, what they want you to think, regardless of what they actually find out. And I likened it when I was at CBS, and I certainly was far from the only person who noticed this or complained about it, there are certain managers who write little movies or films in their head at the beginning of the day because they have an ideological belief or something they think or something they want you to think. And they tell you at the beginning of the day what the story must say, the kind of person you're supposed to interview. They'll say, find a character who will say X. And they sometimes even give the sentence they want that person to say. Mm -hmm. And if you come back and say, I was at the story, and I was on the ground, and that's not what happened. Here's what really happened. And if you stick by that, they don't want the story. They won't tell you that's why, but that story is not going to air if you don't change it to fit or to suit what it is that particular editorial person wants you to say. Now, folks, if you want to understand what's going on, not just surface level, you see it and you hear it, but really want to understand from somebody who was there and is there, this is the book, Cheryl Atkinson's book. It's brand new. It comes out. It came out today. Slanted, how the news media taught us to love censorship and hate journalism. I would encourage you right now to go to Amazon. Go ahead and order it. They'll deliver it to you tomorrow. Or if you're on my social sites and you happen to be commenting on uh, Facebook or Twitter or, or Parler, by all means, it's, it's uh, posted there. You can just jump on. It's very easy to order and so forth. What is the uh, – I don't even know if this is a fair question. What is the most shocking – thing that you see going on in the uh, in the press these days or is it just it's overloaded and maybe there's not one thing well it, it's all related to the general notion that no longer is there even a pretense of neutrality or treating people the same it would be one thing if they threw softball questions at both sides and mixed it up maybe you could criticize that but at least they'd be treating it the same or one thing if all they did was ask really, really tough or ridiculous and hostile questions. But the double standard is so obvious that tens of millions of people sit home and either don't want to watch the news or watch it and say, we're not fools. We see exactly what's going on, but we're made to believe, if you live inside what I call the box, the Internet, the goal of those controlling that information is to make you think, try to make you believe you're an outlier, that you're the only one or very small group of you who thinks like this, and you shouldn't have those opinions and those thoughts because, look, everybody else thinks Y when you're thinking X, so you better get on board and think Y too. But I think what we saw with this election, whether you support Donald Trump or not politically, 
I think there's hope in the notion that despite the narrative and the saturation of our information landscape with one-sided information, tens of millions of people voted for the guy that they weren't supposed to vote for, which means tens of millions of Americans are at least somewhat immune to the narrative and this control that these forces are trying to wield over us. I'm just reading here. You have a third-degree black belt. Is that true? It's fifth degree now, Mark. Fifth degree? I just got my, yeah, I got my master's. In fact, not far from um, where I know you are. Oh, really? I train. And, I'll um, see. Yeah, I finally got my master's level. I, I'm, I'm no Chuck Norris, but yeah. I stay in shape, and I could probably, you know. Yeah, it hurt me. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> but that's all right. I have an five, apple off your head. <laughs> I, I have five weapons. Uh, I, don't, I don't work out, but I got plenty of ammo. Anyway, Cheryl, this is a fantastic book. I want to encourage people right now to go to Amazon.com. Slanted, how the news media taught us to love censorship and hate journalism. And maybe we can knock uh, Obama off the top of the list. And uh, I wish you all the best, and God bless you. Well, it means a lot that you had me on to talk about it. I appreciate it, Mark. It's our honor. God bless you. And she's terrific, really terrific. I hope you'll acquire that book and read it over the holiday. All right, I'll tell you what. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to reconvene and come back and take care of business. I'll be right back. Mark AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. couple messages here before I say goodbye. I'll be back Monday. By the way, we'll have uh, our wonderful friend Brian Mudd on tomorrow. Thursday is a killer best of. And then our buddy, Mr. Call Screener, Rich Valdez, who does a terrific job. He's a good man. Don't forget Cheryl Atkinson's great book, Slanted. Don't forget our friend uh, Pete Hegseth's great book as well on the mission. And... Uh, and uh, I think you're going to really enjoy both of them, and they're both very, very important. And I want to talk to you in the minute or two we have left before I leave the show, and it's this. Try and enjoy your Thanksgiving, those of us who are going to be with family, those of you who aren't. And thank God for this, in my view. Thank God that there's 74 million of us who have some common sense. That there's 74 million of us in army who believe in this country and liberty. That there's 74 million of us who know, who know, that this election was bogus. And I say that not as a conspiracy, not, not as a right-winger, not as anything of the sort. We have a lot more information 
than they ever had with the Russia collusion BS. And they want to shut this down as fast as they can. Ignore the usual Republicans. They're irrelevant. They've always been irrelevant. Everything's at stake. Everything's at stake. But take solace in knowing that we are red-blooded Americans. And as I say, there's 74 million of us who stand strong. And we're not going anywhere. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. And I want to thank you. I am blessed because you're here. And we will stand together no matter what, okay? God bless each and every one of you and have a magnificent Thanksgiving. I'll see you on Monday. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.